The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered cold-filtered, and cold-packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself. Because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order? Cashback guru? Low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you. Because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store. Even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome to the Roadwire Prospect Podcast. Clay Link here along with lead prospect writer James Anderson. Shout out to New Day, N-E-U-D-A-E, for the song Lion Kings, the song we're using as our introduction this season. James, we're continuing with our minor league tour. Well, your minor league tour, technically. Stopping off in the International League today, you had a great write-up on the site looking at several standouts in the International League. And we'll start with the top prospect in baseball, Yuan Mancata. Of course, traded from the Red Sox to the White Sox this offseason. And I saw a quote just on Twitter today. Uh, credit the Chicago Sun-Times for this. But uh, Rick Hahn said, His development is by no means complete at the minor league level, but he is making a great deal of progress. The numbers certainly uh, bear that out. I mean, he does have 31 strikeouts and 90 at-bats, but uh, the rest of the line looks excellent. When are you thinking he'll be up, James? Well, if they're smart, I don't think he'll be up for another couple of months. I, I just, to me, I, I don't, I haven't gotten to sit on a series with him, so I don't know what kind of progress he's made, but I, I don't 
see much progress honestly in the line like the strikeout issues are the exact same we saw last year at double a it's, it's like uh, the exact same percentage over 30 percent uh you know i i'd be getting extremely excited about Moncada if i owned him in a single season league if he had like a 22 percent strikeout rate right now uh but i just i don't see a scenario where he gets called up with this current approach and doesn't struggle like similarly to the way we saw him struggle last year with Boston. I just, it's, it's kind of, it's one of those tough spots where he's so talented that he's going to be able to put up huge numbers at triple a with that huge flaw. And then if he goes to the big leagues, he'll get uh, really exposed. I mean, he's also got a, a huge BABIP over 400 so that, that batting average is is probably going to come down here in the in the coming weeks unless he makes some serious adjustments. So if I was the White Sox, I would just give him a, a pretty straightforward directive of look, you got to cut down on the strikeouts before we promote you, and once you do, then we'll we'll bring you up because in you know ten days or eight or nine days or whenever however far we are from May thirteenth, uh, they'll have an extra year of control, so there won't be any reason other than other than super two status to hold him down but I, I i don't see him being ready unless they want him to come up and fail to to kind of send him a message that he's that he's not done in that regard i i don't see him ready to to face big league pitching at the moment looking at the game log for him he has shown some improvement in recent games i mean it's only the past five games but four strikeouts uh had five in the previous two before that stretch but is it still, do you know, I mean, is it still the, the breaking and off-speed stuff that's giving him such trouble? Because that's what we saw during his first cup of coffee last year. Yeah, I mean, he, he can murder fastballs. That's I mean, he's got great bat speed. Uh, the power, like, you know, maybe people are surprised by the five home runs right now, but, I mean, that's that's been in there. It was just kind of a matter of time before that manifested itself uh, into 20-plus homer power in the, in the minor leagues. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's breaking balls, laying off breaking balls. Uh, you know, a lot of the same, a lot of the same issues uh, that Byron Buxton has. Uh, you know, if, if you're if you're kind of worried about the way Buxton's playing right now, that's kind of how I would expect Mancata to play if he got a promotion. So, still obviously got to hold him in the vast majority of formats. I mean, maybe if you're in a really shallow non-keeper league, and there's there's guys that are out there that would would blow our minds that they're available maybe maybe you cut bait but uh you know it's it's just kind of a little disappointing I, if i had to just grade him so far this season i would i'm not that impressed i, I wish that the strikeout rate were, were a little lower but again he is still your number one prospect on your overall top 400 i think that buxton comp obviously we don't know how either their careers are going to play out but i think that is interesting because it just gives you a little bit of pause if you're maybe in a shallower league and thinking about stashing him all the physical tools in the world you dream on the upside but uh the swing and miss definitely leads to some tempered expectations what about clint frazier another familiar face in a new place this season he is with the yankees of course after coming over from the indians in a trade he's a scranton wilkesbury numbers aren't great but and, you know he's his strikeout rates a little higher than you'd like to see as well 22 k's and 81 at bats uh I, I still like this kid a lot i know it's so funny to me how many people seem to dog him because he's a, a ginger uh, I, I can relate to him uh, i'm pulling for him but i still think you know you look at this guy the bat speed with him is insane too the forearms are just 
ridiculous. He looks like a redheaded Dan Ugla or something, but I'm still optimistic about him, of course. What are the what's leading to these growing pains right now, Triple I actually I actually love what I'm seeing. I'm it's weird. Like you look at their two slash lines, Frazier's and Mankata's. I'm actually way more encouraged by what Frazier's doing than what Mankata's doing because he's making significant improvements in key areas over what he did last year at AAA. Uh, the the strikeout rate is way down, uh, down from 28 percent to just a hair under 23 uh, percent. Walk rates almost doubled since last season. He's making a ton of hard contact from what I've seen, you know, lots of you know, doubles and, and homers. And, and he's, uh, you know, he's just kind of dealing with some bad luck on balls and plays. So it's sort of what it looks like to me. I, I, I'm actually really excited by what Frazier's doing. I, I think that you'll see his bat start to heat up as, as he, you know, gets a little bit more, uh, fairness on the outcomes, and we might look up in mid June, and he might be one of the hotter waiver wire ads. If if his line kind of rounds into form, you know, I, I really like what what he has to offer in in power and speed. Possibly as soon as you know the second half of this season, I, I don't I don't see an obvious place for him to play right now because he is sort of you know strictly left or right field. Uh, but you know, maybe the Yankees are able to move a guy like Gardner or maybe, you know, it wouldn't be surprising if one of those, if one of Gardner or Ellsbury suffers a serious injury. I mean, I think one way or another, he'll find his way into uh, something close to an everyday role in the second half. Yeah. I was looking at that strikeout total seemed a little high, but I didn't realize he was striking out uh, 28% of the time in that small sample last year. That is really good to see with him and with the walk rate, as you mentioned, I'm pretty excited about Frazier, but while we're on the topic, Obviously, I want to ask you a little bit about Aaron Judge because when do we really kind of start changing expectations for him? I thought, obviously, with that big strike zone and his history of K issues, it'd be a, a learning curve for him. But he's really just insanely hot right now. Was it 13 homers, I think? It's ridiculous. Are you already kind of changing your your kind of multi-year outlook for Aaron Judge? Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm willing to admit that I was – absolutely wrong about him before the season look uh, i traded him in several keeper leagues as well yeah i mean it, it like nobody really had him all that high no. in any rankings you know i think the highest i saw him anywhere was maybe the 40s uh so you know we had him outside the top 50 that looks bad but i mean really everyone kind of missed a little bit on this guy i mean he could he could strike out at like a 36 percent clip the rest of the way and it would still i would still say that we were we were wrong about what he's capable of just because he has shown the ability to make adjustments and you know that's that's the the number one thing that you have to do in the big leagues is make adjustments there's obviously going to the pitchers are going to adjust back to him uh they're going to find new ways to get him out and you know we'll we'll inevitably see you know a rough stretch for him where the, he goes a month and hits you know 225 or whatever uh but I think, you know, I, I would take the over on 30 homers for him this season. I think he's definitely done enough early on to lock in that everyday job, which was the key thing because, I, you know, to me, uh, part of the appeal with a guy like Frazier coming into the year was that I wasn't sure Judge was going to hold on to that job all year. I thought there was a chance he might end up needing to get sent back down. I think he's just done enough in these first 25 games to where they're, they'll give him the everyday job the rest of the way. So at the very least – 
you might get you know two. 35 240 hitter with 20 plus homers the rest of the way i think that that's still you know you're still profiting at a, at a huge margin there from what you paid on on draft day obviously i, I don't i don't buy the batting average I, I just you know i know that the the babip is fairly fairly normal 330 but i, I to me he's more of a, a 250 hitter true talent and with it with a ton of power i basically he is kind of like Mike Stanton. Yeah, I'm with you there. It's it's crazy. I mean, I was on Greg Bird, didn't really have any shares of Aaron Judge coming into draft season. That's that's fun. What a mind I got on me. That's a, that's a stellar, Dude, there, stellar eval. There are so many hitters right now. Not, not really pitchers, but on the hitting side, there are so many guys that are off to crazy starts that – I certainly didn't see coming, and I have no shares. I mean, you, you well, want, I got one in Fab, but Ryan Zimmerman, right? I mean, you know, Zimmerman, like the number one player in fantasy. Zimmerman, Aaron Judge, uh, Mitch Haniger. I mean, he's he's numbers. a guy that I'm not willing to to really. You know, I don't I don't think that batting average is legit at all. Um, obviously, El Garcia. I think uh marwin gonzalez hit his ninth homer of the year today uh there's just there's just a lot of sort of funky offensive performances that i'm absolutely not cashing in on so i mean yonder alonzo <laughs> yeah. i mean like uh, uh i also traded away ender and Ciarte in yeah. the offseason logan morrison i mean it's it's early may i mean this is what happens there's yeah. going to be these guys that get off to the hot starts and that's why i'm hesitant you know i advise people not to roster bait too much because you're going to have your hits but you're going to have misses too on right. every single team like you're not going to hit on everybody on like a full 23 man active roster right and then the nice thing about guys like zimmerman and judge is they can just go back to being the guy that most people thought they were before the season and you've still, still already plus, made your yeah. profit on on them so that's nice but i mean yeah we'll, we'll see what happens i mean there's there's going to be another handful of guys this month that really light it up and people will be freaking out about but i mean it's it's just a game of adjustments it's going to yeah. be about who who can make those adjustments when the when the pitchers uh change the approach yeah absolutely and it's, it's still at the point in the season where one or, or you know a handful of good games could completely change our perception of a player like with anthony rendon in that three home or 10 rbi game everybody's really down on him then after that you know everybody wants wants a share but moving on James, when Starling Marte got suspended in one of the leagues I had him in, one of several, uh, another another fun situation there. But I went out and picked up Austin Meadows. I had dropped him shortly thereafter because it became obvious that they were not going to promote him right away. And really, he's not doing much at Indy to, to warrant a call-up at all. I mean, 198 average, 255 on base, 267 slug, just one homer, uh, three doubles, three for four on stolen base attempts. And this is an organization that, is known for slow playing these prospects. I mean, at this point, I think we may have to push that that window and that arrival date back for for Austin Meadows. Do you agree? Yeah, it's it's just a it's a situation where I thought it was you know the outlook was was about as cloudy as there was for any prospect before the season because he sort of seemed like this guy that you know in in April or May we'd be like hey this guy's ready but there's nowhere to play him and then Marte gets that suspension and then it seems like all of a sudden oh well here we go here's his path and now it's it's just 
as complicated as it's ever been because there's this sort of time crunch where Marte is going to be back in mid July and, you know, maybe Meadows, you know, obviously Meadows isn't going to hit 198 all year. He's, he's going to get hot at some point here, probably sooner than later. What if it looks like Meadows is ready for a promotion in say mid June, are the pirates going to call him up knowing that, he's only got two or three weeks of everyday bats before Marte comes back. Like uh, what it's just really hard to see when you're going to get any kind of production from Meadows this season. And even like, say they were like, okay, yeah, we'll give Mark, we'll give Meadows three weeks or whatever. See how he's doing. Marte's coming back. We know that, but you know, this guy's ready. Well, what if Meadows then hits like 180 for you and he's a net negative on the season. There's just so many different outcomes here. I'm not very, I'm not feeling great if I own Meadows in a in a single season league. Hopefully it's some sort of draft champions type format where you can just hold him and whatever happens happens, but uh you know, I have him in our stake league. I'm I'm not dropping him yet, but it's you kind of needed him to get off to a bit of a hot start to to capitalize on that suspension and I think the the clock's ticking on that. So he might have been a little rushed to AAA, only 51 games at AA before uh, getting sent there at the end of last season. So, you know, just in, in kind of a – just looking at Meadows long-term, I don't think anyone should be worrying about this slow start. But just for, for single-season purposes, yeah, I could see a scenario where you just don't really get anything out of him this year. I'm with you there. That's why, yeah, even in like our stake league or something like that, 17 teams – Kind of a borderline stat. He's not a must hold. Yeah. Like, I'm going to hold him just because I don't want to be the guy that drops him and then he ends up heating up as soon as I drop him, like, yeah. whatever. I but, dropped him in a, a shallower NL only. I think probably most I mean, NL only. The people be. available in our stake league are just so crappy. Like, I don't, <laughs> whatever. Yeah, that's true. We got Fab there, coming up tonight. There is a guy lower down in this article that I am, yeah. am going to drop this week. Okay, we'll get to that soon. But what about Willie Adamas? Uh, you said, you know, I mean, it's not quite struggling to the extent of, of Meadows, but is is maybe this a buying opportunity, or is this kind of something that has you a little worried? No, I. This is you know, this is kind of a theme in this article. Like, I guess we should. I mean, just a quick like thing on the international league. We talked about the PCL last week. That's look if you want to roster bait and freak out about like how great your your prospects are at AAA, go go look at the PCL piece from last week. The international league's a lot more fair, and a lot of these top prospects are a little young for the level, so it's just natural for them to get off to to slow starts, which is why the guys that have gotten off to nice starts, uh, like a Reese Hoskins, who we'll we'll talk about in a minute, like that's super impressive because. You know, typically guys come to the international league and they get their first taste of it and and struggle a little bit. And Adamas is young for the level. Uh, he's walking and striking out at basically the same clip he did at Double A. The the Babips about seventy points, eighty points below his career norms. So to me, that's that's a big part of the the reason why his slash line doesn't look that great. I think this is a perfect opportunity to buy. There's a handful of prospects in this league that I'd be targeting as buy low candidates, and he's towards the top of the list because he's got legit 25-plus homer power. I think he stays at shortstop at least for three or four years, and that's that's a pretty rare combo. I think the 
the on base skills are are legit so in points leagues and obp leagues he's even more valuable i don't don't see him hitting for much more than like a 265 275 average but if he's hitting for enough power and getting on base enough to hit near the top of that order that's going to be a pretty valuable player now look just looking at the ranks you have currently for these guys it doesn't look like you've adjusted really much based off these slow starts have you tweaked any of these rankings at all for these guys that you mentioned in this article uh yes but we haven't quite gotten to it okay jb crawford i thought maybe he dipped a little bit but 23 seems about right seems about where you had him in the preseason yeah he's uh i actually moved him i moved him who did i move him behind I think I moved him down two or three spots. So I moved him behind. Yeah, I moved him behind Yadier Alvarez, Michael Kopech, and Isan Diaz, face of MLB. <laughs> I mean, got to gotta put him behind the face. I was looking. I was just just loving the face the other day. He hit another, another big fly. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's, look, like J.P. Crawford's the one guy here where he's been so bad and he had – 87 games at AAA last year that I think it's fair to be a little bit worried. I don't really see how it's actionable because this is just not a time when you can sell him for anything like anything near uh, full value. Um, and he's just, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know what's going on with him right now. I mean, it, it can't, it can't all be explained away by bad luck. Although his, his BABIP is under 200. So that's obviously a big part of it. Uh, he's striking out more than he usually does. He's still walking a ton. I, I don't know. Really, I don't really know what, what the deal is with Crawford. It, it's, it's an interesting case. Cause this is a guy that we never thought had all that high of a ceiling. And now I think it's questionable to wonder just how high that floor really is if if he's capable of something like this in his second uh, crack at AAA, I assume that he'll snap out of it so I would just preach patience with him but it's a it's a bit of a it's enough of a worrisome start that I'm not targeting him as a as a buy low guy necessarily I'm with you there and you know how I've I've felt about Crawford for a while now but we, we shall see obviously he's still super young but uh not liking what I'm seeing now James, we talked, I think, a couple weeks ago about me blowing fab on guys I probably could have had on $0 bids, the mm-hmm. um, Ahmed uh, Rosarios of the world, the yeah, sure. those types. I, I find another prime example here in Reese Hoskins, although I almost feel like some <laughs> uh, somebody else may bid up on him. But, I mean, this guy looks awesome so far at AAA. And the other side of the coin, which is weighs just as heavily, is how much Tommy Joseph has really struggled. You, you speculate here that probably get another month or two and that seems reasonable but if he continues to struggle at this extent or anything close to if he doesn't seriously heat up soon we could see hoskins uh in philly before long yeah i think this is i think this is really comparable to the situation with like lewis brinson and keon broxton and milwaukee where there's just no incentive if you're the Phillies or the Brewers to pull the plug that quickly on the guy that you went into the year with. Even when that guy at AAA looks like he's ready, you're in a sport, you're at a spot as an organization where like, why do you want to just rule a guy out that quickly as a, as a part of your long-term plans? Especially when he had a quite a good year last yeah, year. Yeah. Like Joseph was a pretty trendy pick to hit 30 homers this year. I mean that you can't just, 
say, oh, well, you had your chance like after a month for a guy who has pretty much gone a level at a time or a level per year in Hoskins. Like, I just think that that would be really aggressive without any real payoff because of where the Phillies are. They're not competing this year. Just let Hoskins, if he wants, if he continues to rake at AAA for another month, month and a half, what's, I mean, that's not doing him any harm. I mean, at least you're giving Joseph a fair shot to kind of uh, get out of this funk. I mean, but just Hoskins specifically, obviously we've been really high on him for a while, uh, a lot higher on him than in other places, and he just continues to get better and better. I mean, he's... He's, uh, I think, the top-ranked first baseman I have uh, for guys that are still in the minor leagues. Um, yeah, I mean, I, we have Cody Bellinger, fourth overall in the top 400. He's obviously in the big leagues now, and I moved Hoskins all the way up to 33. I just, I don't see, I don't really see any flaws. He's got really good zone coverage. He can take balls out to all, all fields. Um, he He's a righty righty first baseman, which you always want to downgrade those guys. Uh, but he's he's never really shown any issues against righties. He's actually really mashing them this year. Um, yeah, I, I just I love the way that this guy continues to get better. He's cut down on strikeouts. He's upped his walk rate. I mean, every a lot of people wanted to write off what he did last year just because the the homer friendly park at Double A Reading and it it's legit, man. He's I don't I don't think he's gonna hit for like huge power in the big leagues. I mean, there is a difference between taking balls out at, at double and triple and taking them out in the big leagues. I think he's more of a 25, 30 Homer bat as opposed to, I mean, right now he's on like a, what, a 40 Homer pace after hitting 35 last year. I don't think he's quite that type of a power hitter in the big leagues, but it's still a potential top 15 first baseman, especially in that, that ballpark in Philly. Yeah. Six, four, two twenty five, and 38 bombs. A year ago, I like the way this guy is put together. What about Ozzy Albies? Not a good start at all. Apologies to Steve Moya, who you know handed over the reins to his NL Labor team late <laughs> to me in that auction and took Albies with a reserve pick. Sorry for that. I hey. mean, hey, it could happen. But the way Brandon hey. Phillips is going right now, too, man, that dude is really not. I mean, not falling off like I was expecting, especially at the plate, but. Albies is eight for nine on the base pass. That's good to see, but 28 Ks and 103 at bats, just four walks as well. What are the big areas of need for Albies in terms of developing his game? It's, I mean, I I think he's just taking a little longer than we would have expected to adjust to triple a pitching. He hit three ten or better at every stop in pro ball before he got to triple a struggled a little bit last year i think this is another great buy low opportunity because i think you could if you I mean you could reasonably look at what he's done at triple a as one of his owners and start to get a little concerned that you might just sort of have a second base version of lcdes escobar a guy that's not going to hit for a very high average but it's going to give you some steals probably hits towards bottom of the order but Albie's like until he got to triple a everyone like would have given him much better uh grades on his his future hit tool and what what alcides escobar ever got you know people throw out 70s on his hit tool uh i think you have to throw in the fact that he turned 20 in january you know 
he's the same age as, you know, a lot of the guys that are tearing the cover off the ball at high A right now. And I think that has to factor into the evaluation of, of what he's doing right now. It's it's an awful it's it's an awful awfully impressive feat that he was able to do what he did at all those levels when he was, you know, three, four years younger than the average player and now he's finally to triple A. It's just taken him a little longer to adjust, I think. I think he's got you know, eight to ten homer pop in his you know, in his uh, late twenties, but I think you know he'll he'll he might kind of follow an Elvis Andrews type of career path where he initially steals thirty plus bases when he first gets into the the big leagues and eventually kind of develops eight to ten homer pop and the steals maybe settle in in the twenty to twenty five range and that's that's a really valuable player especially if he's given the Braves plus defense at second base. I mean that's this is a guy that I think is a perfect buy low candidate. Yeah, I'd be willing to buy low on some of these guys in staff three, but staff keeper three from scratch, but nobody really seems to seems to seems to want to trade at this point, but hopefully uh, that stove will heat up very soon. Was Rowdy Telez the guy you were alluding to earlier that you're going to be dropping in some single season? Uh, no. Um, Winker? I actually didn't, I didn't drop anyone too far. Um, I ended up bumping up. Oh, actually, no. I, I dropped. Uh, I dropped chance. I dropped chance. Cisco a little bit. I dropped Nick Williams and Roman Quinn a little bit. And okay, I, I was sorry. I was start talking about like dropping in a single season. Oh no! I you were uh, the guy that I'm dropping in a single season is Roman Quinn. Okay. Um, who? Look, he's. <laughs> I hate these types of guys. Like a quick, quick thing on Roman Quinn. He's down. We have him ranked ninetieth now on the top 400 i just hate the prospects where it's you're just all you're really doing is holding out hope on that speed and you just kind of look at the rest of the package and it's like eh, like what what's this guy really i mean Mm -hmm. i think the time has kind of come and gone where a guy like ben revere or a guy like rajai davis is gonna get like look rajai davis has made fools of everyone that's discounted him in fantasy for years and years because he continues to somehow find at bats and provide these stolen bases but you know it's it's going to be tough for a guy like Quinn to do that I think especially without a trade because I, I don't see a team like with the Phillies resources ever really being satisfied with him as an everyday player he's a speed guy that strikes out a ton he's not he's not an elite defender it's just it's a weird profile and you know, he's striking out way too much right now. There's not an opening at the big league level. So in single season leagues, I thought he was a solid speed flyer coming into the year, but given this slow start, I don't know when we see him and you know, maybe he kind of settles in as a guy that gets 300 plate appearances a year, hits like 255 with 25 steals and no power and hits at the bottom of the lineup. I mean, that's just not that appealing. So that's that's why I dropped him, and that's why I'm going to drop him in the stake league this week. I hear you. Yeah, I, I thought you might have been alluding to Telez just because of his slow start, 194, 298, 333. does have three homers, and he did start slow last year before really turning it on. But I think given the slow start, this team's going to be less inclined to, to force the issue. I know he impressed them in the spring, but he's not giving them any reason to, to make a switch. Yeah, right. I'd drop Telez, too. I just don't have him. Yeah. Uh, he's he's another great buy-low candidate, honestly. I mean, it's I sound like a broken record, but there's a lot of them in the International League just because 
it's you, you if you're going to put up big numbers you kind of got to go out there and earn it or in like Moncada's case have a huge BABIP uh unsustainably high strikeout rate uh but you know guys like Telez, Jake Bowers uh getting off to fairly slow starts but there's nothing really in the numbers that suggests it's a red flag it's just kind of bad luck i i noted that telez hit 164 345 361 in april at double a last year uh people might have dropped him at that point and probably really regretted it so i i would just be patient with telez i don't think the blue jays are going to rush him so you know in, in single season leagues I, i'm i'm ready to cut bait i guess but uh, it's still like him plenty for dynasty leagues yeah i like him too i actually offered him up though in a in the staff one trade offered him straight up for an expiring lance mccullers got shut down i thought that was a fair offer but i ended up giving up hap to get mccullers just because my team is better than i thought thanks in large part to eric thames kind of moved my window up with him alone so trying to at least cash this year i mean this is my third year after taking over a, a, a team in that league so figured I have the likes of Frazier, who we talked about, Ron Acuna, Dom Smith, some of these other guys. So I figured one of Telez or Hap was expendable. I like Hap a little more, but Telez, I'm still quite high on long term. Jake Bowers, you mentioned it kind of in passing, but 15 walks for him in just 85 at-bats. I look at that outfield, and obviously they're getting Colby Rasmus back, but I do have an inclination that maybe we do see Bowers this year. Where do you want to see him improve in order to get the call? I'd like to see him hit for a bit more power, but that's, he's another guy. He's super young for the level and the power's coming. It's, it's not, it hasn't really shown up in a big way in, in any of his previous minor league seasons either, but, uh, he's got the potential to hit 20, 25 homers, I think in his peak years. And he'll be an on-base machine who might, might fit nicely into a, you know, either first or second spot in a lineup, uh, especially a club like Tampa Bay. I could see them them utilizing him up up near the top of the lineup. Um, so I mean, I you know if he if he starts showing a little bit more power, um, has a bit more luck on balls in play, I think he will get a call probably in the second half though. And I I don't really see enough counting stats for him to be worth a, a single season stash in most cases. I mean. The guys you want to stash are the guys where once they're up, you could see them really contributing in homers or steals, because you can't ba- you can't bank on a prospect coming up and helping you in batting average. And to me, that's that's probably Bauer's top skill right now. I think it's worth noting that he's five for five on the base paths, which is sort of a a sneaky start for him, considering he's no one's ever really graded him as a above average runner but maybe he's just one of those like ryan braun will myers types that gets you 15 20 steals based on just getting really good reads on on the pitcher i mean that that might be the type of thing that he has that we we weren't aware aware of coming into the year i was watching my reds this afternoon and man i'm just getting so sick of seeing scott shebler just dead sick of it i know he's playing pretty well right now but everyone loves him on twitter man pick on this guy but that mouth guard thing drives me up a freaking wall. He even said, I guess, that his mother told him that she is annoyed by it, too. So I almost feel bad. We all have our quirks. Look, I get it. But I'm just sick of seeing him munch on that thing. all Constantly. It's nonstop. It's really annoying. But I also just don't think he's particularly good. would love to see Jesse Winker get an opportunity. He's 
looked great. Still not hitting for much power at all. I mean, just uh, a sub 350. You're not excited about that. The Shebler Duvall corner corner duo where you're going to get like 25, 30 homers out of both of them. And like a 300 on base (laughs) combined between both of them. Look, that's the thing. They're not giving any wiggle room or any real reason for this organization to make a change. And Winker, again, not hitting for a ton of power, but... Hitting three, for zero power. Yeah, zero power, <laughs> quite honestly. But And he does have three more walks than strikeouts. And there's just plenty of power on this team already. I, I mean, between Duvall, assuming, or assuming he kept Duvall and, and left. But I do think Winker will get an opportunity before long, but it's just a matter of you know how long is it going to take Shebler to to really fizzle out. Yeah, I you know, we talked a lot in the preseason about how I think I think Winker's lack of power has been a little oversold and so far if you disagreed with me, you probably feel pretty vindicated because you can't really blame it on last year's wrist injury anymore and Dilson Herrera and Phil Irvin are hitting for a little bit of pop, so you can't really blame it on Louisville's park anymore. Uh, it's just kind of, he needs to just start hitting for some power. Uh, I still think it'll happen to some extent, you know, maybe 15, 18 Homer power or something like that. But I, I just, the approach is so damn good. I think, you know, as long as he's hitting for some power, I think he'll be able to justify hitting near the top of that Reds lineup. So not, not selling, my winker shares yet but it's it's not looking as good as it did coming into the year i mean the shebler thing look i i i don't want to see him out there anymore either but he's you know he's got a 111 wrc plus like he's that's probably better than what winker would have Mm -hmm. right now so i I don't fault the reds for not making the move just yet Uh, yeah i mean you can't really make a strong argument but i'm with you that yeah, this this love that we see on Twitter is just way overblown with Scott Shebler. Scott Shebler is going to be a fourth outfielder in you know less than a year and a half somewhere. Mm-hmm. Not sure where. Yeah, I'm with you there. <laughs> uh, Bradley Zimmer, look, these you mentioned here too. The K's aren't going away. He's got 29 and just 88 at best with Columbus so far. But does he do enough else, uh, both offensively and defensively, to warrant a call up? Uh, Maybe shortly after the All Star break. I think it, I think it might actually be before then. Uh, I think the the Indians are going to get to a point where they're just like, look, this guy, the strikeouts aren't really going away. But like you like you sort of hinted at, he's got the in game power and the in game speed right now. Like it, like I think he'd hit for power and and run a little bit right away once he got to the big leagues I, I don't think the average would be all that high but i think he'd still probably be useful in a decent amount of formats he walks a ton and he's very versatile defensively he can play all three outfield spots so i think that gives him an edge over a guy like uh, nick williams who who's further down in the the piece because even if even if zimmer's not hitting for a high average even if he's striking out a ton uh he's going to be walking he's going to be contributing in the field so i think that 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 makes him probably an upgrade over a guy like abraham almonte who the indians are given a ton of playing time to in the early going so i think we might see him in mid-june interesting i would love to see them move bradley up and then maybe give greg allen a promotion you know greg allen is, is kind of one of my guys i mean nine stolen bases 
And what I'm really liking to see, I mean, this guy's kind of old for this level, but the, the approach is, is holding steady. Still a double A, but I think, I mean, he's only got, what, like 60 games at double A? I think eventually this guy, and you, you wrote up his outlook, I believe, for the site, that he is really a high-end prospect, despite the lack of pedigree and his age. Yeah, I'm I'm excited for Allen. He's showcasing that speed early on at, at double A, just kind of waiting for a spot to open up on that that triple a roster dustin fowler he's at scranton wilkesbury 291 average 344 on base 355 slug four homers this guy was kind of a trendy name at the fall league last year he's getting a little bit of buzz is he moving up your ranks to see his current rank is 62 yeah i this is this is the big 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 mover uh in this piece i I think I think it was two years ago where everyone was kind of yeah, raving right. about his his hit tool, and I I was all aboard. I mean, I I've always liked the hit tool, but I admit I I vastly underrated him before the season just because I didn't think he'd walk, and I was hesitant to project double digit homers for him. But he's done a done a bit to answer both of those questions. I mean, he's still not walking a ton, but. A seven and a half walk percentage is pretty much double what he posted in over a full season last year. So at least he's making significant improvements there. It's still maybe a little shy of where you'd like it to be, but that's that's fine. I mean, if he walks at seven or eight percent clip, that's fine. Uh, the four home runs. I mean, he's his power continues to trend in the right direction. Uh, he's he's pretty young for the level. He's uh, twenty two, I believe. So. The fact that he's hitting for this kind of pop in his first exposure to AAA pitching is is really encouraging. So while I while I think, you know, it's pretty clear that Aaron Judge and Clint Frazier are their two corner outfielders of the future. Fowler's now looking like a guy who could legitimately play center field for the New York Yankees, and that's part of the reason why I had him low coming into the year. Was I sort of saw him more as kind of like a second division starter who on the Yankees might get pigeonholed into kind of a fourth outfielder role uh, just because you know the bar to clear to start for the Yankees or the Red Sox or the Cubs or the Nationals I mean it's a high bar to clear but Fowler all of a sudden has sort of made the necessary improvements to where I think he could legitimately pull it off he might be an interesting trade chip for that team if they continue to play as well as they have and find themselves in the thick of it. They'd get a lot the of trade deadline. They'd get a lot of hits on him. I mean, I I got to imagine his stock is is really really up uh, throughout the industry right now. A couple of catchers at AAA, kind of at the opposite ends of the spectrum in the International League in terms of slash line. Anyway, Francisco batting two thirty, three nineteen, three forty four. Meanwhile, Jorge Alfaro three fifty one. 383 532 but james you still like cisco more long term yeah he's is he a full year younger he might even be more than a year younger than alfaro uh plus just two walks for alfaro right yeah i mean it's look alfaro is a sell high if ever there was one i i can't stress that enough if i had alfaro shares i would I wouldn't be like a desperate like seller. I wouldn't be like calling, you know, hitting people up and be like, Hey, you want a faro? But like, I'd try to find a way to sort of work him into a deal, uh, for someone in my league who sort of has a history of, of liking catching prospects or maybe is just 
it's really weak at that spot long term. I, I, <laughs> there are, no, there, I know there like, are those types. There it are just guys that have. Uh, just there are, ironic. There are guys that have have catching prospect fetishes, and it's, it's <laughs> look, it's a it's a legitimate issue. Hey, we um, all have issues. But yeah, I mean, uh, there's nothing about Alfaro's numbers that are sustainable. Uh, I mentioned that. He has, like, he legitimately has just as much raw power as Gary Sanchez. So it's conceivable that he could get a call up this summer and really catch fire, you know, before pitchers start to adjust to him. And maybe he he carries some fantasy teams with a hot stretch with the bat. But it's also possible and probably more likely that he gets called up and hits around the Mendoza line with a, with a 40% strikeout rate because it's just not a approach it's going to work in the big leagues right now and he's on the 40 man so that's nice um and i mean i moved him up ahead of nick williams and roman quinn because i think you know if you were shopping all three of them i think you could definitely get more for alfaro right now i mean the the tools are still pretty crazy but i it's it's a great time to to sell on him and then cisco you know he's He's a 22-year-old catcher at AAA. It's not going to come easy. I don't think, you know, anyone that sort of stashed him in single-season leagues, it was kind of a move where you're like, well, I'm not going to take a guy that's going to be a net negative for me. Maybe there's a chance Cisco catches fire and comes up quickly and helps out. But uh, I think now it's looking like you might see him in July or August, but before then, highly unlikely. We have pushed well past the 40-minute mark here, James, and several more names in your article. Check out the full piece for yourself, rotowire.com slash pod for a free 10-day trial if you don't have a subscription. But uh, So my point being that we can't touch on all these names, but anybody you want to shout out specifically? Uh, You know, we kind of covered the key guys. You know, I mentioned Nick Williams briefly. Um, The approach is still just exactly what it was last year hasn't been able to recapture those gains he made in 2015 so he's a flawed guy i think he he'll get a shot at some point this season possibly before roman quinn just because of of quinn's strikeouts but um you know not a not a big fan of williams start to the year and then i really moved casey gillespie down the rankings uh just you know he's a old first baseman with plus power and a questionable hit tool that rarely works out and Logan Morrison off to a hot start. I thought there was maybe a chance you could see him replace Morrison. If Morrison really struggled out of the gate and Gillespie got off to a hot start, that's the opposite of that's happened, obviously. So that's why he moved way down. Uh, there's a bunch of just really kind of disgusting players in the, the others of note uh, list, you know, a lot of util guys, a lot of old outfielders and, just you know the richie schaefers and chris boston <laughs> daniel palkas and dilson herreras of the world dylan cousins i mean i hate to richie schaefer hate to say i told you so but dylan cousins having an awful 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 start to the year hey at, you, at can, you get to say i told you so as our lead prospect guy but listen james great stuff as always we appreciate it you are going to the nba combine next week correct but we're still going to do a show uh yeah cool? let's let's do that on uh Maybe Wednesday. Yeah, we'll record today early, but still post on Thursday. Check that out, guys. We appreciate it. Take care.
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.